0: strategically winging it an honest and fun conversation between founders side hustlers and leaders to discuss their stories and learnings the good bad and unrepeatable we want to find out how did they truly make their magic we're definitely not ones to take ourselves too seriously and we want to bring the human back into business this podcast is hosted by entrepreneur tedx speaker and diversity advocate sonia barlow Hi, David, and welcome to Strategically Winging It. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hey, how are you? Thank you yes.
0: for jumping on. When I originally thought of the podcast um, and the title being Strategically Winging It, you yep. were the first person that came to mind.
1: Well, I think the fact that I was kind of hastily shutting things down as we start there and kind of going, oh, hang on a minute, if I've I done everything, suggests that I'm someone who tends to wing it a bit.
0: It'd be great if we could have a quick introduction who you are, what you do, and most importantly, how did you get to do what you're doing today?
1: Uh, so what do I do? Um, tricky one to pigeonhole because I wrote my own job spec and that's about five years out of date. Uh, technically, uh, my my title is director um, at, at the Harvey Nash group. Weirdly, it doesn't actually say what I'm a director of, which is, you know, handy. So, you know, whatever I fancy on any given day. Uh, but I've been there for 13 years. Uh Harvey Nash Group are uh, a software sales and, and recruitment business primarily. Uh, I started my career as a recruiter. And oh, five six years ago, I basically turned around to the business and went, this is great, it's going well, but actually I love content. And I want to do something around digital content. And they said, well, that's nice, but, you know, no, go away. Um, <laughs> if you want that to, to be your job, make it. Oh, okay. And I've gone to a lot of conferences and a lot of events, and you hear people speak at conferences, and you often kind of go, "Well, hang on a minute, I'm not, I'm not getting a lot of mm. insight really here." And it stands to reason that if there's a lot of PR value attached to a big conference, well, um, the exposure. Uh, is both a draw but also a slight limiter on what someone's going to say because they're not going to say anything that's going to rock the boat of their share price if they're the cmo of a huge organization and also on the other end of the scale startups uh, are worried about investors maybe listening or competitors and maybe they clamp up a little bit more than they should so that kind of was rolling around in my head along with this idea of I'd like to, to do more content and the fact that I interviewed people for a living. And so I thought, well hang on a minute, why don't I why don't I kind of interview people? Why don't I put together a podcast? And I didn't really think about it in terms of a podcast because it's five years ago and they weren't vogue. But I just thought if I record interviews with clients and people I know and get them to open up a little bit about why they do the things that they do and what the challenges are that they face, well, everyone in tech's kind of got their eyes down and they're blinkered and and maybe there's there's some benefit in that, and yeah. from there it's evolved publishing the three hundredth episode uh on the what what'll it be on the fourteenth I think of may, something along that, maybe the twelfth of may, anyway, very soon
0: the fact you said maybe is just one example of how you're still figuring it out as you go along,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, off the back of the podcast, I get asked to speak at conferences normally as a host or a moderator, but, um, yeah, I chair conferences. I speak, I write, I, uh, get asked to host virtual stuff, uh, panels and whatever else. And, um, my my kind of want to become a a, a a content person within my business has, has come to fruition. Two years ago, they turned around and went, "All right, all of this stuff seems to be going well and doing some good stuff." So carry on doing it and forget about everything else. Just concentrate on that.
0: And. When I first met you, I actually hadn't realized or I didn't realize that you worked for Harvey Nash. So I genuinely thought you just went around. And (laughs) this is probably what I think now as well that you just go around talking to people. I think it took a couple of meets for me to actually understand that that was via Harvey Nash or that you had an
1: actual job that wasn't podcasting. Well, my job, I mean, in a way, my job is podcasting Mm -hmm. because tech talks is the main thrust of what I do. Um, I'm in a very lucky position that. I have a full-time salary, so I've never needed to commercialize the content that I stick out. So we don't have to charge for it. Or, you know, when a PR firm gets in touch and goes, we've got this client, we'd love them to be on the show. How much does it cost? We don't go, it costs X. Um, because I've always wanted it to be a community-driven project and retain complete editorial independence. Um, obviously, I need to justify my role within the group. mm uh, But if you go out and you do stuff because you're passionate about it and because you care about it and you meet and talk to hundreds of people over the course of a year, well, business opportunities will pop up along the way. You won't have to yeah. go hunting for them. You don't have to sell. Stuff will just naturally happen. And that's always been the approach I've taken. And thankfully, the group have been understanding of that and it's borne out in in results. And um it, it's allowed me to have a lot of leeway and a lot of freedom to kind of build it as I've as I've seen fit.
0: And that's awesome. So, I guess would you classify yourself as an entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur because it's definitely something that we we've started talking about a lot more in society, the fact that you don't necessarily have to leave a business to start your own business or start your own innovation lab as such. And I guess you were doing that well before the times or before it was even trendy or had a, a word to it, let's say.
1: Um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose people would class it as, as as kind of an entrepreneur, classic entrepreneur role. I just wanted to find a way to kind of bend my job to allow me to do what I wanted to do and, and mm. cared about. You know, I I was reasonably good at the job that I had, but it didn't make me jump out of bed in the morning. And I didn't kind of go, "Oh, that's going to be fun and exciting." And I wanted to find a way to 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 get it to the point that I was doing something that I really enjoyed. But I loved the company and I liked the people and I still do. And And I feel very lucky that I work in a business where I've, where I've been given the support and the time to bring that to, to where it is today. So yeah, I guess, I guess it is entrepreneurship in that sense.
0: And just going back five years. So when you first set up a podcast, for example, Mm -hmm. did you have? Mike, did you have a script? Did you have like fancy guests? Did you have your marketing in place? You know, because no. they're, they're definitely and and I want the answer to be no, and, and thankfully it is. There is such a cliche, and yet this um, this tainted image of what well, when you start something you have to have everything figured out. Uh, and and we both know that's not the reality. But
1: yeah. you know,
0: how did you how did you actually start? Because you had certain challenges. One was the the lack of maybe you weren't able to convince your company straight away two was your lack of experience podcasting um and three was you know going out to guests and actually selling this vision to them
1: yeah well first of all i didn't ask permission from anyone and i think that's a, that's an important kind of point to make uh you can sit there and procrastinate and wait for people to give you the green light on stuff and then you may never you may never do anything so i didn't wait on on anyone to to tell me that i could go out and do these things um I bought microphones for $10, just little lapel mics that plugged into my phone. Um, I'm lucky that within the group, we have a a digital marketing guy um, who is lovely called Derek, who um, has a band called the Filthy Tongues, and he's a sound engineer, (laughs) Uh, and uh, he was, was very uh, giving of his time, and outside of all the usual structures of work, I just kind of went up to Derek's desk and went, hey, how do I do these things? And he he kind of went, oh, yeah, well, you could try this. And he found it quite entertaining and interesting because it was just not the norm. It wasn't a survey. It wasn't a, you know, whatever else. Um, so I definitely think uh, that whilst I didn't wait to have microphones and I didn't wait to have a budget and I didn't wait to have great guests, what I did nurture Was the relationships that I had within the group, where there was goodwill, and just kind of asked people for tips and hints and advice. I didn't know how to set up a website, so Derek threw up a one-page website to host the 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 thing on, and he advised me to download. um, He advised, sorry, he he advised me how to use Audacity. I found out about Audacity from other people. He then went, oh yeah, you know, it looks like it's it 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 works. It was free, Um, but he showed me a few kind of basic sound engineering tips on it. That helps improve the quality. So it's little bits and pieces, kind of stealing in- incremental bits. In terms, in terms of guests, uh, I went to my clients, I went to my existing network, and once I had three or four or five of those shows, then I started to approach people externally because I then had something extra to show for it. I'm sorry, when I say externally, kind of new people, kind of approaching people on LinkedIn, going, I run a podcast. Um, but it took ages. It, it took like four, five months from the initial idea to actually getting anything out. Um, because I didn't have a clue what I was doing or where to host it or all these things. I just kind of figured it out. And it's like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, then what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And the one good thing about doing it within my company and within my job was it gave me the time to make those mistakes and to figure stuff out. It wasn't like I was kind of going, Christ, I've got to do this because I need to make money from it. Um, it was something that I was I, I I plugged away on quietly in the background because I cared about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, in, in 2019, the most recent stats showed that podcasting industry is worth 10 million and, and growing. But five years ago, it wasn't something that necessarily had a revenue joint to it. So you must no. have started just because you wanted to basically yes. talk to people and share their stories.
1: Yeah, totally. And I still think the best podcasts are very much because of that uh so i i'm putting together a different show and i interviewed the guys from secret leaders and one of the questions that i asked in that is you know what what's the goals what's the aims because i get asked what's the aim of tech talks what's the goal of, of tech talks uh and secret leaders um is the number one business podcast in the uk more listeners than tim Ferriss. it's it's huge and he's like well we start you know he started they started four years ago or so it's like we do it because we enjoy it we do it because we love it and we'll carry on doing it until we don't love it, um, and that's that. And actually, the best shows are very much along those lines. Um, and I, I've I've heard of plenty of people who've tried to set up podcasts because there is now dollar signs attached to it, and if they're not really invested in it because they love it, it doesn't go anywhere.
0: Yeah, and I definitely think that's a good learning from a from a founder, leader, entrepreneur, or even a side hustler perspective. Most people, when they set something up, don't do it for the money. They do it to fulfill an element that's missing. And if the Mm -hmm. money comes, it's awesome. But otherwise, it's you're so busy in your everyday life that it's just nice to know that you're doing something that's contributing to your values rather than just making loads and loads and loads of money and trying to get rich. Like, I'm not doing this to try and get rich. You know, we're, we're recording this on a Friday. I had an idea on a Monday. I woke up. I went onto Canva, made a made a deck, pinged you a message, and I was like, uh, "I had a podcast idea. I really want to go for it. Would you jump on?" And you you said yes. And now I'm just figuring it out as we go along. But that you know plays an ode and and completely represents the the podcast itself. Because when I was looking for uh, failures and mistakes and challenges and how do people actually start, I just found a lot of the content out there is fluffy and it's fairy tale like and It puts glitter onto everything, whereas I know that that doesn't exist. That's not the real story. Mm. Um, You know, we were talking before, and I'm doing my marketing on Canva. Like, I don't have anyone doing it for me, and Canva has a bazillion different templates. So I have so many different designs, and now I either have to, you know, take myself out of my soul and be like, right, as a third party, which design am I going to use? Or I reach out to my network to say which one suits our, our mission the most. And you were saying you're still doing things on Canva.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't think that you need to invest lots of money in marketing. And I certainly don't. I, I've never invested in kind of paid social ads and whatever else. Um Really good artwork can be quirky and can elevate your show. Secret Leaders actually made that point. They 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 do work with an artist. I don't think they they pay a huge amount. I just think it's someone who loves the show, but he's created some really kind of quirky designs for them, and that 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 helps. It helps them stand apart. But fundamentally, <clears throat> and and I'm sure they'd agree with this. I'm sure anyone who runs a successful show would agree with this. It's the quality of the content, the quality of the guests. Is it engaging? Is it authentic? That's what matters. Ahead of anything else. And actually, if I, if I think about the shows that I enjoy listening to, some of them the the, the, um, recording quality isn't as good as the recording quality I have. So I, I listen to, um, a show called True Faith, which is a Newcastle United fanzine podcast. It's got a lot of listeners. Um, but they often record in a car after the match because that's when they first all get back together to kind of process their thoughts about the game that they've just watched. And the sound quality, frankly, at times isn't very good, but it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Can you remember a time where you absolutely failed or where you had a challenging moment that you had to, you know, you had to figure out? Your mic broke, your your headphones didn't work. Um, you know, you, you froze up because I think the other perception, and I get it quite a lot now being a founder or having founder in my title is, people come to me, especially during this time of COVID, they're like, well, you must have it all figured out. Or, you know, you look like you're thriving, because you're posting so much on LinkedIn, or <laughs> you must be making so much money, and nothing goes wrong for you. And actually, on in, on the flip side, I have to just go through, or well, no, I'm posting on LinkedIn, because it's marketing, but I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sending 12 hours of emails every day, hoping that someone will get back to me. And, you know, sometimes my content doesn't work. And sometimes there's many spelling mistakes. And, it happens, and it's okay, but it's what yeah. you do afterwards.
1: Tech breaks. Uh, I've had instances where I've gone, hang on a minute, I've lost the recording. Um, I did one really stupid thing a couple of years ago where uh, I, when I was still using my phone to record, and uh, Christmas, without realizing that I hadn't backed up the recordings, I just got a new phone, and I wiped <laughs> the old one and then lost about six recordings, and then had to go back to those people and, and apologize and say, I'm really sorry, I've lost the recording. And I fronted up, and I said, it's because I'm an idiot, and I got a new phone, and I wiped them. So now I always make sure that uh I back up recordings. So I'll use um Audacity or 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 Squadcast or whatever platform it is to record, and then I'll immediately save it onto my laptop and then back it up into Dropbox. And you just learn little things kind of to go... They go, don't do that again, that was stupid. I regularly get people's names wrong. <laughs> as you have witnessed. <laughs> um, you know, that that's just, I think it's a, become a thing. I, I've had someone kind of who knows me quite well taking the piss on a, on Twitter the other day, kind of suggesting that they, they would like me to use this particular word in a podcast because they know that I, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Um, you just, look, if you're just yourself and you apologize apologised and you try to be genuine about stuff and you're you're kind to other people well people are pretty forgiving
0: yeah 100% agree so obviously I've called this podcast strategically winging it but last night when I was trying to do the intro I couldn't say the word strategically (laughs) it just wouldn't come out and I was like how can I name something that I can't pronounce and so I practiced for like 10 minutes just being able to pronounce a word that is now the title to, to make sure i don't i don't sound
1: silly <laughs> i remember the first episode of tech t- uh, sorry the t- of the tuck shop which is a um a kind of a youtube style video show that we do from um uh, a studio in in waterloo and the very first episode going out live i was like it's the tech talks tuck shop and i was like what the hell have i done <laughs> i'd never actually tried to say it out loud tech talks tuck shop and i was like oh god that was stupid just kind of tripping over your words all the time. And I, I only realised kind of first time that we went live and literally kind of streaming. So, yeah. It happens. What
0: is, um, if I was to say strategically winging it to you, what what do you think of it? How do you define it? Or what kind of thoughts come into your head?
1: Um, So I'm someone who tends to have a big idea of, this is what I want to do. Okay, exciting. And then kind of work backwards. And I'm not process driven at all. And I'm useless at any kind of administration. Um, so strategically winging it to me is having an idea, having a, a kind of a sense of this is something that I really want to do. And then figuring out rapidly how, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, 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 the swan swimming on, on a, on a river. And it looks kind of all serene up top, but paddling like furious un- un- underneath kind of scrabbling around trying to work out how to put things together and make it make it work
0: yeah that's awesome so you do a lot of public speaking you obviously have nearly 300 episodes for a podcast which is awesome you go out and lead conferences people message you constantly to get you to communicate and use your voice but there must be times where you are nervous or you're anxious so
1: yeah all the time
0: sorry all the time yeah what what's your go-to do you have a ritual do you have a do you have a song that you play before you go go (laughs) is there anything that that I can start doing because I did not sleep all night worried about our first recording which makes no sense because I'm a public speaker but I was so nervous about the content that my dreams were literally what if I wake up and no one shows up or what if the recording gets cancelled or uh, what if people don't like it? And, uh, you know, I, I think I woke up in cold sweats because I was so nervous, which which makes no sense considering my day job.
1: But It also does make sense because we're human. I mean, mm. if you do something that is going to be out there in a the public domain or you're standing up in front of a room full of people and you don't get nervous, you should seek help because uh, clinically you're probably a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know (laughs) people people get nervous um and it's either the fight flight or curl up into a ball and cry thing and and mine is the flight thing so uh if i'm going up on stage i will tend to get the really heavy legs thing because all your blood is pumping to your legs because you're you're getting ready to run and um it takes me a few seconds of just kind of breathing and having a pause and taking a moment to kind of make sure that there's actually some blood flowing around my brain. And I'm thinking, um, and I think that's fine. I, you know, over time that's gone from being something that was really terrifying. And I would come off stage with a headache and was quite debilitating to begin with to being, it's a few seconds, but actually once I'm into it, I'm fine. Uh, and, and I think that just comes with exposure of, of kind of, okay, it's going to be okay. You might be nervous, but it'll be okay. Um, but for me, I, I tend to be a little bit quiet before I, I I go on stage, certainly, or I or I host or moderate something. Um, I think I kind of sink back into my own thoughts a little bit and think about what I'm going to say. I tend to kind of be one of these people that visualises it all going well. I think that's quite a positive reinforcement thing. Kind of, no, you're fine. This is this is going to be successful. It's going to go well. People are going to enjoy it. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I think kind of positive reinforcement is a real thing um and if you kind of stand there beforehand going oh this is going to be terrible it's all going to fall apart well you're not doing yourself any favors Mm. uh and before i start if i'm hosting something i'll take a few seconds like if i get up onto stage and or i hit record on something and i don't say anything for a few seconds that's fine i people won't notice um so i think that's that's you know, take your time, take a moment to take a breath. Don't rush into something. Don't go oh, right. Okay, go. And then kind of go, hang on a minute. What am I saying? And you're talking down blind alleys and rambling. Um, and also if you, if you kind of set out to say a particular thing and you forget to say it, don't worry. No one knew that you meant to say something. As long as you get the point across, as long as the narrative's about, right. It's, it's fine.
0: Yeah. I, I, I most definitely agree. So before I started publicly speaking in in any domain, I spoke a lot anyway. And I've always been quite outspoken. But I used to rush, I think when I was when I was uh, conversing with people, and I already have quite a loud tone of voice, and it just went higher, to be honest. And so now I, I, I practice just just silencing myself or stopping right before we have to start. So kind of taking a deep breath. But I guess my go to is I put some really old school drake song into my headphones and i make sure i just zone up for four minutes to drake just uh you know getting me into that public speaking domain and i put some lipstick on and i I color my nails so this is of course no one's going to see my face whilst we're whilst we're recording of course and you know it's an audio but that doesn't mean that i didn't wake up extra early just to do my nails and put my lipstick on just so i feel like i'm in that zone and i just found those those things work for me versus staying completely silent for like 10 or 15 minutes which some people do do i tend to freak myself out a little bit more
1: and everyone's different right exactly but i think i think the point being that you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't worry about the nerves they're perfectly natural and they're probably quite a good thing it's just kind of how you deal with that 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 is the is the, is the key
0: so what is, what is the future of your, um, you know, I, I like to kind of ter- term you as a public speaking influencer. I know you don't like it, but no. that's how I think of you. <laughs> like you, you are an influencer in the, in, the, in the public domain. What is the future for you as a, uh, you know, nano influencer, but also for your, for tech talks and where, where do you kind of see this going?
1: So for Tech Talks, there isn't really an, an end goal. I'll mm. continue. I, I think I think kind of, you know, from talking to people, certainly through this series that I've done recently, it's reinforced the opinion that I was beginning to kind of try and kind of formulate in my head where Tech Talks was going because I kept getting asked it and I thought I should have an answer to it. And actually, sod it. I don't need an answer to that. Uh, I'll carry on doing it for as long as it's relevant and I enjoy it and it, it's adding value. So for that, great. And if the audience, and obviously I want the audience to continue to grow and it to um, reach, but that that's really the the enjoyment factor is the main piece there. Um, Career wise, well, look, I mean, I'm getting asked to speak at more events, and I'm beginning to get uh, paid for side gigs and freelance work for for doing that. Um, so the opportunity to to speak to more people, to meet more people to meet interesting different characters from different walks of life in different areas. I mean, I, I love the fact that, um, I will go and I will talk to people and they will challenge my narrow view of the world. Uh, so I went to web summit a couple of years ago and, uh, ended up speaking to, uh, a Portuguese and a Brazilian co-founder who run love hotels in Brazil. I thought Mm. love hotels, isn't that where, you know, people go for either extramarital stuff or, whatever else seems a bit seedy, why do I want to talk to these guys? (laughs) Which is entirely wrong because of course it totally ignored the fact that you know the socio-demographic makeup of Brazil is somewhat different to the UK, obviously. Mm -hmm. And if you are a young courting couple of, I don't know, 2021, and you want to get away and have some private time, but you live in a favela where seven of your family all live under the same roof, it's kind of difficult to do. So actually love hotels in Brazil are this really important thing for young people to go and literally have a private conversation um so i i find that i find that this gives me an opportunity to kind of take away some of the misogyny and stupidity that is built into me through being a grey haired white bloke uh
0: <laughs> well and, that, that's a, that's a podcast another time we'll get a <laughs> white white So yeah yeah so I,
1: I i think kind of any anything that, that combines the ability to learn as well as getting paid at the same time that's all good.
0: Mm. And as we kind of wrap up, I've got two final questions for you. Yeah. So the first one is How would your friends describe you in three words?
1: Oh, God knows. Uh, um, inconsistent. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, silly. And enthusiastic, maybe.
0: So the founder of Tech talks is inconsistent, silly, and enthusiastic.
1: Yeah, I think that's yeah. quite right.
0: <laughs> the last thing, the last thing is, of course, social media is everything right now. So, if you had one Instagrammable, shareable phrase or quote that you would end things on, what would it be? And yes, this will be shared across every platform possible.
1: Don't ask for permission.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And I can honestly say that I I feel so much more comfortable knowing that you were the first person I've spoken to. (laughs) (laughs) And also knowing the, the journey that you've been on through your own experience of you know, thinking of creating something, creating something, figuring it out as you go along and still sitting here 300 episodes later saying, I do my marketing on Canva and I don't actually know when the release date is. It makes me feel far more comfortable, <laughs> Like, like I can do it too and everybody else can. And, you know, that really sums up the feeling that we want from this show is a really honest conversation between side hustlers, founders, entrepreneurs, leaders, intrapreneurs, just to showcase that we're all human. We're all, we're all figuring it out. And most importantly, we can guarantee you that we're strategically winging it in, in, in all kind of respects and, and definitions of that, of that phrase. So thank you so much. Of course, I'm extremely grateful and I can't wait to see where tech talk goes. And most importantly, I can't wait to see where you go, as a, uh, as you know, world superstar, public speaker, influencer.
1: Hey, well, if we're all on lockdown forever, I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going Bologna. That's <laughs> a great place. I, you know, re- 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 remote working, remote podcasting, you do it from anywhere now. I go to Bologna.
0: Did <laughs> you yeah, have great pasta? Well, thank you, and of course, have a great rest of your week. You too. You're listening to Strategically Winging It, an honest and fun conversation between founders, side hustlers, and leaders. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe and do follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at SWIPodcast.